What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the All Day Hoops Talk podcast. I'm your host, Gabe, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Matt. We have a, uh unusual schedule this week with our podcast, given that the NBA playoffs is starting today. So we're going to go ahead and do our NBA preview. First, we should introduce our guest that we're also having on. Uh, that's Justin Jett, NBA writer for a handful of sites. Um, Justin, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so make sure before we get started, go follow Justin on Twitter. That's at Justin Jets with two T's underscore. Matt, how are you doing today? It's Christmas in April. And this is like, dude, like this is the one day everybody waits for. And I'm so upset that I can't even watch. I can maybe only watch two games today. And that's honestly not enough to fulfill my satisfaction in the NBA playoffs. I would say at least the Rockets aren't playing today, so you won't have to worry about missing them. If the Rockets were playing today, I would have like just skipped everything else I had to do, <laughs> to believe it or not. I don't blame you. Um, the first game of the day is more pertinent to me. Uh, yeah, so first game of the day is Spurs-Warriors. That's obviously in Golden State, the 2-7 in the West. Um, who thought that we would get Warrior Spurs as a two seven seed before the season started? Not I. No, I mean I I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I did predict the Spurs would take the six seed in the preseason. So I don't I don't want to get too on my high horse, but I did think they would get the six seed. But they we even dropped a seed lower than I predicted. Yeah, although I, I will say if they did have Kawhi, I would imagine they would be higher than the sixth correct i mean i don't know Absolutely. that's that's from from my thinking obviously getting the seven in what was an extremely packed bunch in the west there with the, the four through the nine basically that uh seven i guess isn't isn't the worst thing given the fact that Kawhi was out for them uh golden state is dealing with their injuries of their own obviously and they've looked they haven't looked they've looked far from invincible i should say with steph curry out that's been a very interesting development on on that front over there. Obviously, the Spurs are worse without Kawhi than the Warriors are without Steph. But what do you guys think about kind of the challenges that the Warriors will face against the Spurs without Steph? And, you know, we'll see how long he's going to be out. Um, I know a while ago, Kerr said that Steph Curry wasn't going to be playing in the first round at all um now it's a little bit more touch but what, what, what do you guys think about those uh those challenges that uh, golden state will face well i think with me it's well they said with steph he's hoping to come back sometime in the second round which honestly that doesn't sound extremely encouraging i think it's taken a little longer than expected but we'll see what happens but luckily i think one big thing the spurs will have a little time They'll have a little easier time defending the pick and roll because there's a huge difference between having to guard Quinn Cook and the pick and roll and Steph because whenever they have Quinn, they can drop. And whenever they have Steph, you have to go over the screen or like it's just going to be madness for you every single time. I mean, you can't go under the screens when you're playing Steph Curry in the pick and roll. And because the thing with Quinn Cook is he does a lot more of his work in the mid-range game and Steph can do both. So the Warriors are 17 and 14 without Steph this year. That is concerning. I think the Warriors are going to win the series, but a lot a lot of people think this can go six games, like, pretty easily. 
Yeah, see, I'm in the other camp. I, I have a lot of faith in the Warriors, even without Steph Curry. They're a really good team, and we've, we've known time and time again that early season stats and wins are more indicative of playoff success. And so although they've faltered in the last few weeks, they've really just stopped caring. I mean, it's tough. They're trying to go to, what, their fourth straight finals, third straight? And so it's just, it's just a slog to get there. And they're still almost averaged 50, 40, 80 as a team splits. Um, they still have Kevin Durant. They still have Klay Thompson. They still have Draymond Green. And I, I honestly just think in the playoffs, talent really is vastly important. And I don't see the Spurs putting up much of a challenge. They didn't put much, up much of a challenge last year without Kawhi. Uh, they got swept. And I, I just don't see anything different happening. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much closer to Justin than I am to Matt. The I still have all the faith in the world in Golden State, basically. Until until I can see something definitive that's going to show me otherwise. Obviously, you know, the regular season, especially the last two months or so for the Warriors, it's been, you know, whatever. It's been whatever really. And um they've been dealing with injuries, even you know, more than just Steph Curry in the past couple of months. But it's it's really just been whatever. And yeah, I mean San Antonio, they've um just not been good. I mean obviously when you lose Kawhi Leonard, that, that's going to hurt you. But Justin mentioned it. They didn't pose much of a challenge last year for Golden State when Kawhi went down. And obviously this year, now they have more experience without Kawhi. A little bit uh, different of a, of a style that they do without Kawhi now. So they might, they might they might be better equipped to work without Kawhi. But all in all, I don't see San Antonio winning any more than, than one game, if that. Um, I think I'll say th- that. I'll say that. Okay, so... I do like I do have my concerns about the Warriors, but I still think they're gonna win in five. Like like it's it's not gonna be a long series at all. Just I have seen some say it's gonna go six, and I think that's a little bit crazy. But a lot of them are depending on the fact that Lamarcus Aldridge is gonna be Lamarcus Aldridge from Portland. Like that one series we had two 40 point games against Houston in 2015. They could get that again, but I mean, I don't know if you can just. I don't think they have enough to compete with Golden State. You just don't have enough offense there without Kawhi. Well, it's I don't even think it's that because we know LaMarcus is going to get doubled by Golden State. That's, yeah. what they, that's what they did last year when Kawhi went down. They doubled LaMarcus, and that was that. So we know LaMarcus is going is to get doubled. For as good as he's been for us this season, um, he's, he's going to get doubled, and that, that's going to hurt him. And that's going to that's gonna close down a lot of his effectiveness. It'll just be about kind of surrounding him and having – I mean, the guys just need to hit shots. It's It's – I don't want to like oversimplify it to where it's just that, but when guys are doubling you, I mean, you have to just be able to, the easiest thing is just kicking it out and hoping the guys are going to make shots. And obviously that's a very simplistic form of it, but it's, it's going to be up to guys like Patty Mills, who has been really dreadful at times this season. Um, you know, to hit shots, Danny Green's going to have to show up and he's been okay. It's, it's really just going to be about getting the other guys involved and seeing how much they can do. I mean, you think maybe Pop has one one game up his sleeve. He can kind of just steal from them. Maybe game three in San Antonio. But, yeah, they'll, they'll double Lamarcus. He's the main source of offense, obviously. Everybody else is just going to kind of fill in on a game-by-game basis. That's kind of how it's been this whole season for the Spurs. One you know, one game, this guy will, will show up. The next game, this guy will show up. So, I, it'll be Lamarcus. Everybody else kind of fills in from there. Let me ask you this, Justin, really fast. Do you factor regular season matchups at all when you're trying to figure out a playoff series? 
I do. I, I don't put all my faith in it, but I put at least a little bit. I mean, because teams usually that know they're going to be in the playoffs, like the Warriors, like the Spurs, they don't give everything. They won't give everything. Uh, the Warriors definitely did not play the Spurs like they are going to in the playoffs. Like you said, LaMarcus Aldridge is probably going to get a lot of attention. The Warriors can play off of DeJounte Murray. They can play off of Tony Parker, and they can even play a little bit off of Patty Mills who's not the best three-point shooter. So that's a lot of guards they can play off of and focus their energy on Marcus Aldridge, who I don't think they are scared of in the slightest. I don't think they are scared of him at all. Um, so they're going to allow him to post up. They're going to let the guards hang around three-point line. And like I've heard that a lot where the coaching, like Pop will win them a game. But I don't think the coaching disparity is that large. Steve Kerr is a good coach. And so I just think with the talent, it's, it's just too much. Manu has said it all year. He said, we execute really well we just don't have the talent and i think that's what I, what's going to happen in the playoffs yeah because yeah. for me i look at it from i think there are some series where you can look at it and say oh there, you can definitely look at the regular season series and say that's probably how it's going to be in the playoffs like you look at houston and minnesota where the 1-8 matchup in the first three games houston beat minnesota by 18 points each game i legitimately think it can be like that in the playoffs because their styles of player just drastically different you know, Minnesota does not like to shoot the three ball. I think they're mm-hmm. they're 25th or lower in made threes a game in Houston. They're last. Is, yeah, they're dead last in made threes. I think it's like seven or eight a night. Yeah. Houston shoots seven or eight threes in the first two minutes of the game. So it's just completely drastically different styles of play. And I think that I think that's a series we can look at it and say it's likely going to be like down the playoffs. You know, you never know because the pace changes, but we'll see what happens. I I think when you look at the season series as well. It, it really just depends. If it's like a season split, then obviously there's nothing you can do with that. Uh, but if, if it's a sweep, if you see, you know, hey, Team A swept Team B in the regular season, I think that will account for something, even if, you know, obviously they're not playing how they would in the playoffs. But I guess going on to the Rockets-Timberwolves series, though, I think that's going to be probably a sweep. It's it's a bad matchup for Minnesota, just off the bat. It's a, it's a, it's a bad matchup. So, you know, like you mentioned, Houston's going to come out and they're going to throw up threes uh, every chance they get. Minnesota is, like you said, going to do the opposite. So, it, it's Minnesota's a very weird team. Obviously, they're not the best or the most well-coached. I think that, that's going to hurt them, obviously, when it comes to playoffs. None of those guys have experience. Well, besides Jimmy Butler. But, it's... it's it's going to be uh, a long yet quick series, if that makes any sense for Minnesota. Yeah, so a little bit. Um, I just think the twos versus threes thing is just huge. They, The Minnesota Timberwolves are not a good three-point shooting team, as we discussed. And they just accept those long twos. And I think Houston will accept those all day. They, they'll allow them to take those. We're going to still shoot threes, you'll still t- shoot twos, and we're going to outscore you at the end of the game. The Timberwolves were not able to hold them under 116 points in four of their games this season. They haven't been able to stop them in the pick and roll. Jimmy Butler is an incredible defender, but with the Rockets, they'll just keep on uh, on ball screening you until Jimmy Butler gets off of him, and they'll just ISO their worst defender. Wiggins, it might be taken advantage of. So will Taj Gibson. Although he's a good defender, he won't be able to hang with the guards. And so... I just think the Timberwolves won't be able to stop them. And I think a really big thing is the bench because we know Thibs likes playing Derrick Rose and Tyus Jones and Jamal Crawford at one time for some reason. And that lineup will be eaten up by the the Rockets backups. Um, And I just don't see a way this series 
goes into an upset. And I even see people doing six games. I don't see like I have this. It's funny. I did three sweeps in the first round. We, this, these are the two. These are two of them. Uh, Rockets are going to sweep them, I think. As high as the Timberwolves came into this series, into the playoffs, they drew the bad card and they pulled the Rockets, who are just on fire. They won 65 games. So there's a reason for that. That's what I look at it from. You know how you're going to have Derrick Rose, Tyus Jones. One of them is going to be playing with the bench unit. And the thing is with the Rockets, James Harden or Chris Paul is going to be on the court for 48, 48 minutes. minutes. One mm-hmm. of them will be on the court at all times. Derrick Rose and Tyus Jones, neither of them can guard them. And the thing is, Harden and Paul love to do the one-two screen and roll. And they and they will, like you said, they will do it continuously until they get the mismatch they want. And no matter what it does, they're going to find a way to get that mismatch. Exactly. And Chris Paul and Harden love the penetration, and they're going to kick it out to either P.J. Tucker, Ariza, Luke Bamute. I don't think he's going to play the first round. I'd be completely shocked if he does. And I, I do think he will be missed drastically. Not for this series, though. I think the one series you need Bamute for is the Warriors, because that's where his value mm-hmm. will really be shown. But I think Clint Capella is going to be in for a really good series because Capella gets under Carl Anthony Towns' skin a lot because Capella's really athletic and likes to run the floor. And Cat does do the same, but Capella's really good. And I don't think he gets the due he deserves. Like, he's he has consistently played up to par with the best centers in the league all year. He's a smart player who knows his role and plays his role damn well. Even if he's not exactly. necessarily the most overall talented, he he knows his role. And that role as a rim protector on defense and a rim diver on offense, that's that's what's becoming valuable in the NBA. With the, the space you've got on the outside, a guy who can dominate and uh, dominate while he dives down to the rim, that's, that's huge. But Rockets are going to sweep Minnesota. Next series let's look at is the Blazers and Pelicans. That's the 3-6. Uh, a lot of people really seem to think that like the Blazers are going to kind of just like handle them, or maybe not handle them, but I feel like everybody I see is picking the Blazers. I haven't seen any Pelicans mm-hmm. picks, I don't think. Yeah, I, I, I was really torn. It's, it's funny, I didn't pick them either, but I was extremely torn about it. What it ultimately came down to for me is that the Pelicans' wings are really good shooters, but I just trust the Blazers' defensive guards and their wings to handle them and to focus all their energy on Anthony Davis while also being good enough on defense to protect the three-point line and so I just Alfaruq Aminu guys like that I put a lot of faith in in this series because guys like uh, Nikolai Miritich uh, guys like Darius Miller they're gonna have to perform and perform a lot in the playoffs and I'm just not sure they can do it with the, go- with the wings that the Trailblazers have. Exactly. That's the thing with Miritich, because Miritich has been really up and down since he got to New Orleans. I, don't, I, think he's shooting le- I think he's shooting less than 35% from three, if I'm not mistaken. It's really low. And if he's not playing well, I don't really give the Pelicans much of a chance, but they do have... Look, you still have Anthony Davis. You have Drew Holiday. And don't forget, we have playoff Rajon Rondo over here we're talking about. <laughs> playoff Rondo is a real thing, and I promise you it's real. But... Like you said, the wings for Portland are going to be a huge difference. Like Connaughton, Harkless, Aminu, and I like Shabazz Napier. Shabazz Napier, Shabazz Napier has solidified himself as a backup point guard for Portland. And Terry Stotts loves to have the three-guard trio of Napier, McCollum, and Lillard out there on the same, at the same time. It's kind of like what Toronto does sometimes. Well, they'll have 
Fred Van Fleet, DeMar DeRozan, and Kyle Lowry at the end of games, and it, it works really well for them. But I think this is the one series where the Pelicans are really going to miss DeMarcus Cousins because the game slows down and all the pressure, all the attention can be put on Anthony Davis. And when you still have Drew Holiday who can create, but I mean, he's not a talent like DeMarcus Cousins. So I think his presence is going to be really missed. I have Pelican, excuse me, Blazers in six. I do think Anthony Davis will get them two wins. So yeah, I, I have Blazers in seven. So, so I, it was super close with, for me. Yeah, I've, I've got Blazers in seven as well. This will probably be the least talked about series of the playoffs, but will probably end up being one of the better series, I feel I, like. Yeah, I think absolutely. With the stars that are in it, CJ, Dame, Anthony Davis, they're going to be putting up big numbers. Drew Holiday has been an amazing defender this season. Yes. Um, so that's going to be really fun to watch. And then, like I said, just all the three-point shooting that Anthony Davis has around him, it's a lot of fun to watch. It really is. Next series, Thunder Jazz 4-5. Ugh. This is a weird one, I feel like. like I, I, I don't think there's any other way to just kind of describe the way I, at least I feel about this, except for it's just weird. Like, it, it's just it's weird to me. I don't know. This, it was, this it was another seven-gamer for me. This, yes. this is and the thing well. is, these two teams are honestly good enough to both be in the second round. And this is where that Western Conference team really hurts you. Because if it was, say, Miami, you know, Blazers, OKC, Utah, New Orleans, I would I would have picked OKC to beat Portland and Utah to beat New Orleans. See, I, I have less faith in the Thunder. I mean, their talent is undeniable. Russell Westbrook is crazy as, as much as he is selfish. I mean, he is a crazy athlete and a crazy player. Um, Paul George has stepped up his game in the playoffs the last few years. And Steven Adams is a known beast. But I, their depth worries me. The home court advantage was a plus in their their favor. Just because the last game, if it goes seven, is going to be in their arena. And their arena is crazy. Yeah. Their, their arena really is crazy. Um, and just, I looked it up. And Donovan Mitchell this year has averaged 20 points per game on over 40% shooting. No, So you likely think... He'll have to do that in the playoffs for the Jazz to do just as well, uh, because in games he did not score for or did not average forty percent from the field. I think they were about thirteen and seventeen, so he needs to average over forty percent. And only about six rookie guards have done it, averaged twenty over over forty percent, and none since nineteen eighty five. And so it just doesn't really happen. And as good as he is, they they do rely on him a lot. As much as it's a team effort, they need him to score buckets. Yep. And it's going to be really interesting to see how he shows up. So that the, all those factors were really just toying with me for who's going to win this series. I, Believe it or not. Okay, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go. I, I must say, it must be like, I, I can't imagine what the feeling is like for Donovan Mitchell. Just on like a, on an on emotional basis. Donovan Mitchell is probably about our age, early 20s. Um, he, I'm sure he grew up watching Carmelo Anthony. You know, Paul George has been a, a figure for the last five or six years. Russell Westbrook has been a figure, and now he's the main guy going up against them in his rookie year. That emotionally has to play a factor in it. Whether it's he, help he didn't him. even think he'd be drafted. He said when he got drafted, he did not think he'd be drafted, which is is insane because I, I thought personally he was a great prospect, but um, that I think will take will take a big uh, emotional toll. Again, it might help him. It may hurt him. But this series is a seven-gamer for me. I just think when it comes down to it, OKC, man, it feels weird to say OKC is going to be better prepared. I don't know if that's the word I want to use, but OKC may be better suited. Um, 
they have the talent that's there, and I think when you get the smaller, um, tighter, tighter game rotations that you get in the playoffs, that may benefit them. Um, and I, I, again, you mentioned home court advantage, and people often don't mention home court advantage in terms of like the crowd atmosphere too much in the NBA, but OKC has a serious home crowd, like very serious. Definitely. And um, yeah, I, I just think I think once it's all said and done in that seventh game. OKC will will end up taking it, basically. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, Utah has a really good fan base as well. Mm-hmm. Like, these are easily two of the best fan bases in the entire NBA. And honestly, I'm not that worried about Donovan Mitchell because that kid, he's just, he's completely fearless. He's a gamer. He's going to shoot as many shots as he wants. Honestly, I'm way more concerned about Rick Rubio in the playoffs because the thing about Oklahoma City is, they're going to force Rubio to shoot a lot of threes. And this was his best shooting year, but it's completely different in the playoffs because they're going to, they're going to all the time, they're going to lay back on the screens and they're going to dare him to shoot it. Yeah, it was and, his best shooting year and he shot 35%, I think, from three. So. Exactly. So he's not even the greatest shooter even at his best. So that's going to be really interesting to watch. And I'm really looking at the matchups as well. I'm assuming Utah, Utah obviously defends really well as a team and that's just how they're, that's been their mantra all year. I'm assuming they're going to put favors on Melo, which Melo should take advantage of that. But honestly, at this point, I don't know if Melo can do that at this stage of his career. I'm not sure if Melo should take advantage of me guarding him, honestly, at this point. (laughs) I'm excited to watch Joe Ingles defend Paul George because Mm -hmm. Ingles is a really good defender. He's not as quick as Paul George, but he stays stays on defenders really well. He stays on the offensive player really well, can strip them, can strip a few times. And he's one of those players who he's not going to get the steals or blocks or all that, but he's just going to defend you really well and make it harder for you. And this is what we said about Oklahoma City all year, that with the regular season, it's really up and down. And all of their fans swear on the Bible that this is a team suited for the playoffs. <laughs> and now this is when you have to see, this is when you really, you, they have to prove themselves. Because if Oklahoma City loses in the first round, Paul George is gone, and he might even be gone if they lose in the second round. We have no idea what's going to happen with Paul George this summer. So, I also really look at Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant can like is sneakily is sneaky one of the candidates for most improved player. He's every single year he improves his shooting drastically, and his athleticism has been there all the time. And I think Utah might have a hard time defending him. So you you mentioned the Joe Ingles guarding Paul George thing. On the flip side of that is something that I actually am going to be really interested in because Joe Ingles is the Jazz best three-point shooter. Obviously, he shoots what 44% from the three. Um, Paul George will be guarding him, I, I, I would assume. And Paul George is obviously a very good defender when he wants to be. Um, so I think that is going to hurt Utah if Paul George can manage to keep that, that three-point shooting down. Um, and I, that's obviously a key part of the Jazz offense, be, him, Ingles being able to space the floor and shoot threes. So if that aspect is kind of slowed down or or taken aback a little bit, uh, I think that would that's going to end up hurting the Jazz as well. You put yeah. Paul George on Donovan Mitchell. I think. Yeah, you do. You could, and then you put, then you put Russ on Rubio. Yep. Yeah. I think this series is going to be a slog because if you think about it, you can play off Gobert, you can play off Rubio, you can play off Mitchell because he's as good as he is off the dribble. He's not the greatest shooter percentage wise. Uh, you can play off of Jay Crowder. You can play off of Derek Favors. And you can play off of their young guard. I'm forgetting his name for right now. Exum. Exum, yes. Exum. So you can play off six of their players, at least. And then for the, ja- or then for the uh, Thunder, you can play off of Westbrook. 
You can play off of Mello because he has been awful. You can play off of Grant. You can play off of Adams. So I just think this is going to be a real defensive series. Obviously, these teams are both pretty good on defense. Uh, and so I, I think it's going to be one of those grinded out old school playoff games where everyone knows now not to guard the three-point line. And so people are going to be diving in that paint just recklessly. Russell Westbrook and Donovan Mitchell will be diving in that paint with a bunch of bodies. And it's it, it's going to be a really interesting series. I'm excited for this one. It's, it's Jay gonna Crowder has to guard. He's good. I think Jay Crowder is going to be a huge factor in this series because he, he has to guard Paul George at some point. And the thing is, we haven't even talked about Rudy Gobert and Steven Adams. We mm-hmm. barely touched on them. And that's probably going to be the biggest factor of the entire series. And it's so close. It's going to be so close between those two. It's. I think Oklahoma City wins with home court. Yeah, that's, that's that's basically because of the home. If the Jazz had home court, I probably would have picked them, but I just couldn't get over that seventh game being in Oklahoma City. Yep, I couldn't. couldn't so get over. our all of our second rounds end up being Houston versus OKC, and then uh, Portland versus Golden State. So pretty much chalk across that board. We get Houston, OKC. I'm very confident in saying Houston will win that. Um, not necessarily uh, that's easily, sweep for me. but I, I, I but don't have to think much about that one. I think that's a sweep. You think that's a sweep? Okay. I, I was going to say five. I was going to give OKC a, <laughs> a, the benefit of a doubt. But um, yeah, no, I think I think relatively easily, quite safely, Houston would, would handle OKC in that situation. One thing I want to touch on with Houston is they had two winning streaks this year of, I think, 14 plus games. One of them, they had the fifth highest pace in the league. The second one, which was towards the end of the season, they were dead last in pace. And, you know, the biggest thing about Houston all season is can their style of play adjust to the playoffs? Well, to be honest, the Rockets are not this running gun team that everybody anticipated them to be, myself included. They can really play. They play really well in the half court. And that's that's why you get Chris Paul, because they can consistently run the ISOs with Paul and Harden. And some people say it might, it's not a good style of play. It's going to work because why aren't you going to have it work? We have two of the greatest isolate, isolation players ever. They're, they're two of the best players in ranking of isolation all season. So why don't you run that every single time? And if you're going to get the mismatch, you have to take advantage of it. And what I like about Mike D'Antoni as well this year is he's opened up to Chris Paul taking the mid-range jumpers because that's Chris Paul's bread and butter. So when you open that up for him, it's going to be easy. And also, I think Gerald Green's going to win Houston in a playoff game or two in the playoffs. Yes. Yes. I, I've been saying all year, because he was playing Joe Johnson way more minutes than Gerald Green. I was not sure what he was doing because Joe Johnson, because Gerald Green's not shooting that well from the field. And for me, I don't care because he plays the right way. He plays his role. Joe Johnson cannot play his role. That's just not who he is. And so Gerald Green can run. Gerald Green can defend pretty well. And he's just active 24-7 when he's on the court. And he's getting shots up. And that's what, we, that's what we need. We need a guy just throw the ball to and you shoot. Joe Johnson would take three or four dribbles and then shoot. And the thing with I always think about in the playoffs is the more options you have, the better suited you are. So that's why I think Luke Mbamute is really important because he gives the Rockets a lot of different options. They can throw a lot of different lineups. They can do a lot of different things. And so I think that's really important and why I think the Rockets are really well suited for the playoffs even though a lot of people don't want to see them succeed. Not a lot of people do. I think I think the Rockets could, probably should, and maybe will end up just resting in Bob Mute until the Golden State series because mm-hmm. the first series is going to be easy. OKC is going to be easy. Why not just save him for, for Golden State? That's pretty fair. Uh, Bob Mute also, the thing is, 
his offensive game is extremely underrated in my opinion because he has shown the ability to take the ball off the dribble and finish at the rim. That's how he dislocated dislocated the shoulder again. Because he went up for a dunk. I don't remember who it was on. It was the Lakers game. And after that, he dislocated the shoulder. So he's going to be missed. But on, honestly, I would be fine with him missing the first two rounds of the playoffs. That's going to be about a month, right? If it's if they get to conference mm-hmm. finals, that's about a month. That's how right? long yeah, he, he was out with his first dislocated shoulder. Yeah. Mike D'Antoni said this one isn't as bad. But I also think it's an injury you can't mess around with because it happened to Kevin Love yeah. and he missed an entire postseason. Yeah. Wait, so, wait, was Kevin Love dislocated? I think so. That's what I remember. He's he's had that, yeah. It, it got pulled it got pulled out by Kelly Olinick. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. That sounds about right. The other series we've gotten to is the Warriors Trailblazers. I think that's gonna be another fairly safe one. Even regardless of what Steph status will be obviously if he's there it'll be easier if he's not it'll be a little harder but yeah golden state portland uh golden state will probably handle them i would say in five just to be safe yeah i haven't really looked at this this one i haven't moved on to the next round too much yet uh but i think this would be a really fun series uh just with the trailblazers guards against the warriors guards uh, Nurkic with his attitude in the second round, I'm sure he'll get pissed off once or twice against the Warriors. And then, like I said, all those defensive wings that they have with the Warriors offensively stellar wings. So, to me, that's going to be a really, really fun series and probably a ton of offense and a lot of scoring and a lot of big games. So, I'm really excited for that next round as well. I think with Portland... See, the thing is with the Warriors, they're either playing the Rockets or the Blazers every year in the playoffs, it feels like. And they dismantle them every single time. But I don't know, man. Something... I, Portland's not going to beat them. But something feels a little different with Portland this year. Like, I do think they could take Golden State to six. But I feel like we do this every year with that one team in the playoffs, and then the Warriors sweep them. And like you said, there's a huge asterisk because we don't know what Steph's going to be like when the playoffs come around. See, but for me, that team is, for me, that team is the Spurs. For me, that team is when we go, oh, they could do this without Curry. People are saying, oh, I don't know. The Warriors could do it. And then they're just going to sweep the Spurs onto the second round. For me, that's that team. And I think the Trailblazers are legit good and could at least compete with the Warriors, where I think the Spurs, I mean, as good as the Spurs are, they're not going to be able to, they're not in the same class. The Trailblazers are If you lose to the Warriors in five, that's honestly like a moral victory for you, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, just just steal a game from them. And if, if, if it can be on the road, that, that's even cooler. But the Trailblazers are legitimately good. They're, they were the third best team in the West. And I don't, I don't think anybody is going to have any any qualms with that. Um, the Trailblazers are legitimately good. And I think the, the wings that have stepped up on defense this season will be key. And I think that's, gonna, that's what's going to most importantly allow them to compete with Golden State. Um, but all in all, um, we've known basically since, since what, November, December, that this is the collision course that we're on Houston, Golden State one versus two, um, as, as good and as competitive as the West is, there's only, there's only one outcome here. If we don't get these two in the conference finals, it is a huge disappointment. Healthy. I want, they need to be both healthy because that's. That's going to be a, a monumental series if both teams are completely healthy and ready to go. Because that that's just going to be a lot of fun. I'm ex- I'm so excited for that. Before we have to pick this now, I cannot pick this right now. I, I, there's no way I can. You can't. Okay. I, I mean, I'm yeah. just gonna for the sake of the of the 
the podcast theme of just guessing <laughs> what's going to happen. I'm going to go Golden State in seven. That's just throwing that out there. So many, um, so many different pieces that could be moved or changed or um, variables is the word I was looking for. So many variables there so that's going to change things. But the, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Again, I'm just, I have all the faith in Golden State until they prove me wrong. And Houston might prove me wrong, but until then, I'm riding with Golden State. It's it's going to be a fun series. The best part about it is it's going to be good, fun basketball. I mean, it's just going to be a joy to watch. Yeah, it's going to be some high execution. Exactly. I think it's going to be some of the greatest basketball we've maybe ever seen uh, at one time in a series, if everyone is healthy. This is the finals. Yeah, Yeah. basically. Winner of this, winner of that game or that series will probably win in, I would say, no more than six in the finals. That's pretty fair. But at the same time, it's LeBron, so you just really never know. He's crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but... I mean, just the Cavs have not been good. So, the West here, we know what we're getting. We don't know exactly what will happen, but it's it's a pretty clear path for the most part, um, all things considered. Rockets, Golden State is the collision course we're on. We will see that when in early June is when that will start, late May. Um, or late May, right? Is that when yeah, the late May. Or the final conference start in finals. June. See, you, you said it's the finals, so now I'm actually thinking it's the finals. <laughs> um, Anyways, yeah, I mean, the the matchups there. What was the season series with Golden State and Houston? Houston 2-1. Houston 2-1. Okay, that's what I thought. I didn't know if it was 2-1 or 3-1. Um, yeah, the the West will be definitely the, the most fun to watch. The East will be a slog. The East will be um, a little bit more ugly. But the, the West should be a lot, a lot of fun. And that kicks off today again. That's, that's 3 Eastern time. Spurs, Warriors. Um, go Spurs. All right. So our next guest for the Eastern Conference will be former Raptors writer uh, Thomas Titley. That's follow him on Twitter. That's at Thomas Titley. T H O M A S T I T T L E Y. Thomas Titley. Thomas, how are you doing today, man? I'm pretty good. Nervous for the start of playoffs, but pretty good. Yeah, as as a as a Raptors guy, like what's like, how does it feel whenever the playoffs come around? I mean, it's kind of the same as the regular season because it's just our fans screaming at the U.S. to pay attention to us, <laughs> and then and then everyone not paying attention to us. So it's it's just it's nerve wracking because you you want them to do well just so you can say, "I proved you wrong." Or we proved you wrong. It's very much an us versus them mentality. And then, so obviously the disappointments have have been hard in recent years. I'm not even in in like the last two years. I haven't even been disappointed. The only year where I've legitimately been upset was the sweep against Washington. But if you look at the last four years, the only team to win more playoff games than the Raptors is Cleveland. Yeah. So it's not like they've been bad. They, everyone says, oh, they underperformed, but have they? Like, they performed, other than the Washington, they performed to their expectations. You just, the thing is, I think people confuse, like, it's kind of like the thing with the Rockets and the Spurs last year, where the Rockets just lost to the better team. It was like, all of a sudden, I get Kawhi was out, but it's like people forgot the Spurs won 60 plus games last season, you know? The thing with Toronto is, 
Toronto just loses to the better team. And, like, people do have a right to be upset with Lowry. I'm pretty sure, you, like, Lowry and DeRozan have greatly underperformed in the playoffs for the past three years. And, yes. but, they lost to Cleveland in the conference finals. That was expected. They lost last year. Probably wasn't expected to be a sweep, but it happened. And the thing is, they've consistently won at least 50 games the past three years. The Raptors have been fine. The thing is, just now, just put it together for one postseason. Because, in my opinion... This team can get to the finals. And I don't know if you'll agree with me on that game, but I like this team can legitimately go to the finals. Like, I do think they're better. I know I know how big the Philly hype train is. They're better than Philly, in my opinion. Yeah. The Philly, the Philly hype train is killing me right now. Like, they're a good team. But because it like they went on this giant streak to end the season, but who did they beat? They beat Cleveland at home, which they nearly blew like a 30-point lead. They beat Denver at home. That was a pretty good win. But other than that, they were beating like Detroit. They played Detroit twice. I think they beat Sacramento. They beat non-playoff teams. I think there's only like twelve of them. Twelve of them were against non-playoff teams. I think. Yeah. So why are we all freaking? Why are we all freaking out about Philly? Like I'm aboard the Philly hype train. I think they're gonna do well. But I think like I right before we started recording, I saw Skip Bayless say that they're going to the finals. Oh. And I know it's Skip Bayless, but like that's not happening. Ratings. The, the stakes for the Raptors are obviously very high this year. Number one seed going in um, against eight seed Wizards. That one should be fairly easy for the Raptors. Um, I, I, I would imagine six at the absolute most if, if things kind of go south for the Raptors. Um, but the, the Wizards have just been everywhere this year. They've been really good and then they've just been total garbage. Um, it, it, they've They've found zero consistency at all this year so the raptors i think um they're riding some you know pretty good form obviously they've been in good form all year they they kind of for the most part we've seen them all season kind of stick to what to what they do uh, it, it looks like they're a more balanced team that i think when you have that balance that's going to breed consistency so i think you know i would say i would say raptors in, in five is fred van fleet hurt he is probable for the today with a shoulder injury, but okay, even without Fred Van Vliet, like it's it's they're gonna lose game one today at five. <laughs> it's I've not already accepted Raptors playoffs unless they lose game one. Yeah, I've already accepted it. They're gonna lose game one, and then they're gonna win in five. I have them in five because they're just so much more balanced, and you know the thing that I, I'm really excited to watch Serge Ibaka because. I feel ever since he left Oklahoma City, we haven't seen that Serge Ibaka. Because the, the thing I kind of like with him and then I don't kind of like, I feel he relies on the jumper a little too much. And he's a really athletic player. Like, he can take it off the jumper. We seem to be able to do that. But we need the Serge Ibaka from Oklahoma City in terms of the defensive impact. Because he was a block machine when he was in Oklahoma City. And he can just do more, I feel, than Balachunas can on defense. So, there's a pretty big misconception about Valanciunas on defense. He's not actually that bad. No, he's, he's not. He's so not. big and long that he actually contests shots pretty well. And Serge, his, his shot blocks have gone down, but it does feel like every single game he comes up with a big block at some point that you just didn't expect him to get. Offensively, he takes too many contested threes. Um, but again, like with Serge, when he was in Oklahoma, we all knew what he was his role was right it was he was going to be when harden was there he was the fourth best player and then he was the third best player but russ and kd were so good 
that it didn't really matter. Like he still didn't have to do anything offensively. And then he left and everyone saw his offensive potential because he's athletic. He's got a good looking jump shot. And so everyone says, oh, he can score 20 a game. That's not who he is. And now, but now some, for some reason, people expect that. He's not, he's more of a 15 to 17 point game of guy. And the thing yeah. is, what's gonna kill, what's gonna kill Washington, particularly in the series, look, Wall and Beal are gonna be perfectly fine. Beal is a really good playoff performer, especially Beal. I'm a little iffy on Otto Porter. Him and Kelly Uber really got to step it up. But Toronto is so much more deep, so much more balanced. They might go 10 deep in the playoffs, and that's what's going to get them over Washington pretty easily. It, it will definitely not be like the last time they met in the playoffs. Yeah, I I think one thing that nobody that's kind of underrated that nobody really talks about with Toronto is that they, you know, they've got guys who can shoot the three. They've got six oh, yeah. guys, not including uh, Pirtle or Valanciunas, that shoot 36% or higher from three. Um, Valanciunas shoots over forty percent from three, and he takes like one a game. Yeah, so that isn't that hardly counts, but um, but it's enough where it spaces the floor. Yeah, for, yeah. you, you, you have to respect you can't that. Leave them open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's someone you've got to respect. Um, I think Pirtle's at like fifty percent. I don't even think he's. I think, I think he's, he's taking like, like three all year. Yeah, Pirtle was a lot of fun. Pirtle's, Pirtle's going to be really good. Yeah, but with, with these guys who are taking you know more than like two a game. The Raptors have, you know, six of them that are shooting over 36% or 36% or higher, which is, is pretty good. I mean, that, that's a lot of shooters you have to respect. Uh, a lot of guys you can't really play too far off of. And I think that's going to be good in the fact that they're going to make defenses respect them. They're going to make them play them strictly one-on-ones. And, you know, when you've got guys like DeRozan who can make plays um, for himself as well as others, that's, that's going to be a big advantage. I think one of the big things for people when they look at this and I'm going to say people, I mean Wizards fans who think the Wizards are going to win, is because they have Otto Porter Jr. and Kelly Oubre, two really long athletic defenders that they can guard DeRozan. And one-on-one, Otto Porter legitimately is one of the only players who can make life difficult for DeRozan in the whole NBA. The problem is, I went back this morning and I watched every single basket he scored against the Wizards this season. It's pick and roll. He, it's uncontested layups. Like he gets free layups at the rim because Gortat, Scott, it doesn't matter who the big is, their communication is so bad and they don't know who they're staying with. And I don't know if it's Porter or it's the bigs, but he seems to get free layups all the time. And so Toronto's just going to pick and roll them to death. Yeah, I mean, layups. even if Otto Porter does become an issue for DeRozan, it's nothing to screen and screen and screen until he forces a switch. You know, that's... Yeah. That's not going to be too much of an issue, um, even at its worst, I wouldn't think. So I think the Raptors win that pretty safely. The next series that's going to be quite interesting, obviously, given some injuries that are that are happening, is two seed Celtics, seven seed Bucks. The Bucks, um, you know, come in with another disappointing regular season. Celtics are banged up, but you know we we know they can still win games. This is going to be an interesting one. Obviously, it's a lot harder for the Celtics than it would have been. Um, what do you guys think about about this one going in? I think this is the series that I don't want to watch. That's like good. it's That's the one series it. that I really am not. I'm not even going to turn on because the Celtics. I would watch them if they were healthy and they would be good. But like their best player right now is Jalen Brown. It's it's just, really hard to watch, and the thing is. With Boston, first off, I hate talking about the Bucks because the Bucks consistently piss me off. Because every, I think for the past four years or maybe three years, it's 
this is the Bucks year, and they've yep. never been able to do it. You can say coaching, you can say whatever. I don't know what it is, but they cannot get it figured out. And honestly, I don't even think Milwaukee's going to win this series. I think they're going to lose it in seven because the thing with Boston is they have shown all season. It's honestly, they're kind of like the Spurs of the East where they can throw anybody out there and they can find a way to, to win a game. And the thing is, whether they have to come back, like we've seen Boston all year. They've had those like remarkable fourth quarter comebacks. And I'm really excited to like, this might sound bad, but just bear with me here. Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, both being out for the playoffs could actually be a blessing in disguise for Boston because Jalen Brown gets another really good year of playoff experience. But most importantly, Jason Tatum gets a gets a whole playoffs as the one or two option for this team. Like he's gonna probably have to score 20 points at least every single night for Boston to be really good. And I know we a lot of people like to pick on Al Horford, but I think we can all agree if you solely if you solely look at box scores to judge Al Horford, you just you don't know what you're talking about with basketball because he does so much with his passing, his spacing, his especially his defense he's a great defender and he's he just does little guy. things well yeah he's a consummate glue guy he's kind of that that piece that every team would want just because he keeps everything together he he does does his role well he does a little bit of everything as well um but yeah i'm i'm gonna go i'm gonna go boston in seven um home court it's just hard to trust milwaukee as as hard as it is to kind of trust boston with their injuries Milwaukee is just, I mean, I'm, I'm tired of putting faith in them, basically. Like you said, it's been three or four years now in which we're like, okay, this is going to be the year they're going to win a series or two, maybe. They're going to be really good, and then it just doesn't happen. Um, they, I want they Steve have, Clifford to go there. That would be a very interesting spot for him. Um, Terry Stackhouse. Stackhouse would be interesting. I think everybody's top priority needs to be David Fisdale. So it'll be curious to see which team wins that, wins that little bidding war for Fisdale. Um, as a North Carolina person, I kind of hope it's Charlotte, but, um, as far as just seeing all the talent that's on Milwaukee, I think Fizdo would be really good there in, um, kind of getting them together. Hopefully I'm going Bucks and seven, Matt, you've got, Buc- I mean, Bucks and seven. I'm going Celtics and seven, Matt, you've got Celtics, Celtics and seven. seven, Thomas, you've got, I've got the Bucks and seven. Okay. For the sole reason that they have the best player and it's not even close. Yeah. So in basketball, it's not like hockey or other sports where even if you have the best player, it doesn't really matter. But in basketball, if you have the best player, you have a good chance to win the series, even if the other team is way better than you. The other issue I have, yeah. The other issue I have with them, with Boston, is when they had Kyrie, they were one of the worst offensive teams in the NBA. They couldn't score. During that whole run, when they were barely winning, like they were a very good defensive team, but they were atrocious offensively. And now they don't have that one guy who can just get a bucket whenever. Like, Tatum's going to be that guy. Brown, maybe. I don't know yet. But they're not that at this moment. So I actually have the Bucks in seven. But again, that's probably the one series I'm not even going to watch because it's just, it's not going to be fun. Yeah. The Bucks have actually, they just signed Brandon Jennings. So you really should have said Bucks in six. <laughs> um, I, I think I just trust Brad Stevens a little too much. I, I think that's just what it is with me. Um, I, I'll, I'll be rooting for the Bucks though. I, I think I like the Bucks more as a team. So um, personally, I'll be rooting for the Bucks. But I, I would just, if I had to put money on it, I would say Celtics and seven. 
next series is uh, probably one of the more talked about ones we've gotten, um, you know, leading up to the playoffs. Three seed Sixers, six seed Heat. It's going to be a fun one. I know it's kind of been a little trendy pick to kind of say, oh, Miami's going to beat uh, Philadelphia. Do either of you guys share that same sentiment? No, but it'll be a way better series than anticipated. I have Philly in six. And the thing is with Miami, they compared to Joel Embiid's season averages, Miami's been able to get it significantly lower when they play him. And we don't even, Embiid's already not playing game one. And the thing is they, they play today. Game two is Monday. So that's a, so he might even miss game two. And Miami has to win one on in Philly to make this a series because I do think they'll win one in Miami, but you got to win one in Philly, especially with Embiid out. Because if Embiid's back, it's just going to be so much harder. Yeah, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Philly in uh, Philly in six as well. Um, I mean, Philly, I think there's something to be said about their form. Even if they haven't played a bunch of good teams, they've still got confidence nonetheless. Um, you know, their, their, their chemistry is probably at a, at a high, a season high right now. I think everything is clicking. Um, again, even if it is against the bad teams, they're, they've got that mojo, that mojo, they've got that swagger, and I think that's going to carry them in. Ben Simmons is obviously incredible. Um, I think they'll... I, I, Miami needs to win one in Philly, though I'm not sure if they will, at, at least not the first two games. Um, it, it would just be hard for me to imagine uh, Philly on this hot streak and then it just suddenly ending right now. So... You know, Ben Simmons is incredible. JJ Redick has been good. Um, Dario Saric has been fantastic. Uh, and they have Fultz. Yeah. Um, so, in the, the Heat, I'm, I'm not sure if the Heat have that guy who can compete with either of the Sixers, that guys, being a meter Simmons. Um, and so, I, I just think when you have, like, like uh, Thomas was mentioning, when you have the best player and they've got the two best players who are very good. That that's gonna that's gonna work in your favor. So I've I've got Philly in six. I've got Philly in seven, just because I find Miami. I don't think Miami is actually a very good team, but they seem to be the best bad team that I've ever seen. Yeah, okay. they're so Here, hard. Here's to my play. question, real quick: Is Miami the best bad team or the worst good team? They're the best bad team. That's I right. don't think they're that's actually tough. that good. Eh, like, not they're pretty good. I feel like I mean. I mean, people people know when you play Miami, they're gonna play really hard every single night. Yeah, exactly. And like, like when I mean they're the best bad team, if I were to take, okay, I'm gonna use Toronto as an example. If I were to take people from Miami and put them on Toronto, the only guys that I would take would be probably Kelly Olynyk and maybe Wayne Ellington. Oh, you would want Wayne Ellington. Everyone should want Wayne, yeah. El- Wayne Ellington on the team right just now for the playoffs. Off, off the bench. Because, like, Lowry's better than Drogic. I'd rather have JV than Whiteside just because for the fit in the team. And so, like, their team's just not good. Kelly Olynyk is criminally underrated. Boston is insane for giving him up. Like, he's criminally underrated. And Wayne Ellington, like, UNC guy, my guy, he's... He's disgusting. He's it, the way he makes shots that just seem unmakeable. It's like it's like what CJ Miles does. They're just really difficult to play. Goran Dragic is I like the grit that he plays with and he's not scared of anyone. So I think they're just really difficult and they get physical with you. And because Philly's so young, 
and I know that's a cop-out excuse by saying they're youth, they don't know what it's like, but there is a little bit of truth to it. Um, I think it's going to be Philly in seven, but it's going to be one of the best, better series. Yeah, this this one will probably be, a, I would say, a top three series in the entire playoffs. Um, My, Miami's a good defensive team as well. I, I think they, that kind of goes under the radar a little bit. They're, they're just kind of efficient in like most everything that they do. They It's a bunch of guys who play their roles, who know their roles, and they play it really well. And when you have that, even if they don't have the raw talent that some other teams have, that, that's that's going to it's gonna amount to something. Um, especially, you know, the East, which is admittedly not as, you know, competitive or as good as the West. You you know, you can get some success over, over on that side. The last first round series, we've got LeBron and the Cavs against the Pacers. I, I feel, kind of felt bad for the Pacers because they had such a good, surprising year. And they've got to face LeBron in the first round. Like, that, that kind of sucks for them. But, I mean, LeBron's going to do what LeBron's going to do. So... That series, is it weird that I say that series is going to go six? Like, I just think, I think Indiana's actually really good. They, they are really good. I've, I've, it's just a bad matchup. Yeah, I've got six. And the, and the thing is with LeBron, I think this would be, if the, he beats them, I think it'd be the fifth time he's taken the Pacers out of the playoffs. Yeah, oh, yeah those are on Miami. They beat them every year when he yeah. was in Miami, except for the first year. I so think insane. I think this is actually going to be like a sleeper series to watch because what the one thing Cleveland doesn't do is they don't defend the paint well. They just don't. Teams get layups. The one thing that the Pacers do really well on offense is they get layups. Victor Oladipo can break down any guy on on Cleveland and get to the rim. Like Rodney Hood is called a good defender. But when I watch him, he just frustrates me because it seems like he makes mental errors. LeBron is a great defender, but it's the first round. Is he going to go all out? Is he even going to guard Oladipo? I don't think he will. And then you look at some of their bigs, like Thad Young, another one of those guys who's kind of like Kelly Olynyk, is criminally underrated. He's a really talented basketball player, um, and he gets to the rim with absolute ease. Uh, Sabonis, I called that at... One of my happiest calls in my life. I said he was going to be a really good player when he was traded from OKC because I thought he would get more touches. I think he's a guy who's going to be a really, really good player for them for a long time. Like, and then they have uh, their two guards, Darren Collison and Corey Joseph. Like, they they get the two. One thing that both of those guys do is they can go by guys and they can get in the paint and cause problems. So I think it's going to be like a sleeper series. I think I think Larry Nance will have to play some meaningful minutes because we've seen him show up on defense for the Cavs. It's it's we haven't seen many players show up on defense for the Cavs, but since he's been traded there, Larry Nance has been pretty impressive. Uh, obviously he's long and athletic. So I personally I would I would want to find a way to start him, but he uh, either way he needs to be a, he needs to get a feature role in there because like you said, um the Cavs typically don't depend don't defend the paint well and I think having Nance in there as a as a rim protector type could could really be helpful and at, at least you know in deterring with his length uh deterring you know guys from coming in there but um yeah i i think there's i feel like this could go really any way it could be the Cavs could sweep them it, the Patriots could, t- could take them to a close seven it could go five it could go six like this one really just seems like it could go any way it just all depends on which Cavs show up and 
it's the first round, so we don't know if we're going to get full Force LeBron. But it is still the playoffs, so you'd imagine we're going to get some extra effort than what we've seen, obviously. It, it just To me, it just really just depends on which Cavs show up. Which is why, to me, six seems like a, a safe bet for me. I got six. I got Cavs in six, but I really want all right, so it looks like we may have lost Thomas there. Again, just go ahead and follow him on Twitter. That's at Thomas Titley. Uh, basically, that's 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 that. Um, going on to the second round, the matchups we've got from here are one-seeded Toronto against four-seeded Cleveland. Probably spells trouble for Toronto, uh, a bad deja vu. And then two-seeded Boston and three-seeded Philly. Chalk in the East again, so... Top seeds in the West, top seeds in the East, pretty pretty chalk. It'd be curious to see if it actually ends up like that because I feel like that doesn't happen very often where it's, it's totally chalk, but um, that's what we've got. So let's go with Toronto and Cleveland. One versus four. That's a very interesting one. The, the winner of that one probably is going to get out of the East. Um, man, that is a tough bout for a conference semifinal matchup. You know, I think that's when we'll see LeBron fully turned on, and um, it's 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 just hard to pick against that. It's hard to pick against LeBron there. I was always I was listening to Zach Lowe's podcast with Chris Herring from Five Thirty Eight, and what they were talking about, which I think completely makes sense, is Toronto was probably begging for Philly to fall off at some point. So then Philly got the three seed, or no, the four seed, and then Cleveland gets Cleveland gets the three seed. Because the thing with Toronto has always has, I think it's been avoid LeBron for as long as you can. And honestly, that's the majority of Eastern Conference teams. Let's let's look at the seating. Let's see how we can avoid LeBron to the, the latest round possible. Yeah. And it's the worst case scenario for Toronto. Literally the worst case scenario because uh, I don't know. I legitimately do not know. I know how good LeBron is in the playoffs but Toronto like I'm the one I feel I'm in the minority where I want to say this Toronto team is different than recent years but you just don't know like we have to just watch the first round and see what Toronto we're gonna get in like the entire playoffs and we know playoff LeBron and honestly this playoff whatever team LeBron is on is gonna be really good and LeBron's always gonna turn it up in the playoffs but I I, I would not know who to pick right now if, if they meet in the playoffs Man, um, and the thing is with Toronto is that this team can be different. Like this, could, this could be a different and better team, and they can still lose. You know, like them being different doesn't require them to beat LeBron James, but this team seems like it has the most possibility to beat LeBron James. And given, with that said, I'm, I still have to go LeBron. I, I just have to pick. I mean, it's hard. It's what, eight years now? And this might be nine years, right? that he goes to the finals it's just no it's a seven he's gone seven and he might go oh eight. So this might be eight okay um, you know what's funny too is we're not even saying oh the Cavs are gonna beat them it's lebron's gonna beat them yeah i mean it's it's lebron and friends basically there in in cleveland i it'll go to seven i i, I think I, I i can give toronto that it'll it'll go to seven and even that seventh game being in toronto I just, I just gotta go LeBron seven. That's, that's pretty fair, and it's gonna be so disappointing for Toronto because I think if they were on the other side of the bracket, they would easily go to the conference finals. Yeah, S- same with Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland probably didn't necessarily want Toronto, given you know Boston's injuries 
and whatnot. Um, you know, they probably didn't want Toronto. It, it, it would have been nice if Philly and Cleveland would have switched. That way we got Philly, Toronto, and then Cleveland, Boston. But um, nope, that's that's not how these things work. So we're going to get that in the covered semifinals. The other covered semifinal matchup is two-seeded Boston, three-seeded Philly. Uh, I've got Philly in six. That's fair. And the thing is, what Thomas was talking about with talent and everything and how Brad Stevens can get the most out of his players, this is a situation where Toronto, where um, Philly has the two best players in the, on the court at all yeah. times. So that's where their luck will run out. And honestly, mm-hmm. if, if they took them to six, Boston should not be disappointed at all because Boston is Boston and, and um, Philly, I think, are like on a collision course for the next few years to run the East post LeBron. Yeah, and that that's going to be fun. That's going to be a, a fun series to watch. I'm sure that, that rivalry will, will come up. Um, you know, Markel Fultz, that might be emotional for him given the fact that, you know, it was widely believed that Boston was going to draft him with the number one overall pick. They traded out and now Philly got him. So there, I mean, there's, there's emotional ties there. Uh, the fan bases don't like each other. So that could be a very fun rivalry that buds out. Um, so we'll, we'll go Philly versus Cleveland in the Eastern conference finals. Um, this could really work for either of the winner of Philly, Toronto, I mean, Philly of uh, Cleveland, Toronto. I just don't think Philly has enough to get quite to the finals. Um, I, you know, I said it uh, just a moment ago. Whoever wins Cleveland, Toronto is going to end up in the finals. I've got that being Cleveland. Um, so, for the argument's sake, we've got Cleveland, Philly here in the Eastern Conference Finals. Do you think that would go to seven, or do you think Cleveland would end that earlier? Well, Philly does have home court, so yeah. that could go to seven. But the experience just really bothers you. Since bothers me sometimes like they do have some experience on philly where jj reddick's been in the finals marco bellinelli has a championship amir johnson Ilya Silva, they've all been in the playoffs Brett brown has a lot of experience from coaching with the spurs as, as an assistant but Embiid and simmons don't and sure they'll get experience throughout the first two rounds assuming they get through the first two rounds but this the eastern conference finals is nothing new for lebron it's nothing new for kevin love Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith, they've all been there the past few years. Tyron Lue's been there. So it's just it's just hard to pick against the Cavs again. It's just too hard. You know, I know this is the one year everyone's saying the Cavs aren't going to make it, but I just can't see them not making it. I mean, that's- it, it, would, it would just be... T- the thing is also, if they don't go, the finals just won't be as good either. Yeah, that's, that's true. Every year we get the... I mean, before the playoffs, we get, this is the year LeBron doesn't make it. After the playoffs, we get, oh, well, the East is easy. So 100% skip Bayless. Yeah. And so that is looking like it'll be the case again this year. Um, yeah, I, I would put Cleveland in six there set my personal self up or my personal guesses up for a Cleveland Warriors, uh, rematch again. And then I would say probably the Warriors, honestly, in probably like five, um, five. That's fine. Mate, mate. I don't, I don't, it's, it's too early to, to talk about finals. It's it, barely April. It's, I gotta wait. it's far too early, but, um, you know, that's the name of the game here. So, yeah, that's uh, playoffs are going to be a blast to watch because there's a lot of storylines and interesting pieces that fall even below the the top two of the the Rockets and the Warriors. So there's a lot of interesting things to watch. Um, again, first one kicks off 3 p.m. Eastern time, which um, will be probably sh- shortly after the uploading of this podcast. And that's Spurs Warriors. So my ass will be glued to the couch for that one. Um, Bracing myself for disappointment. 
but yeah so th that's gonna do it that's our that's our little playoff preview there we'll obviously keep tabs on you know what happens in the playoffs if anything crazy happens we've got draft stuff coming up we've got deadlines we've got lottery we've got uh, combine bunch of stuff coming up on that front as well um yeah this is a fun time for basketball fun 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 time and um here i mean here it is last two months of the of the season and i'm i'm here for it i'm, I'm ready for it um yeah that's 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 it that's that's our that's our preview for the playoffs it's been a hell of a regular season um for sure and we look forward to next regular season we look forward to the playoffs matt you have any closing words um, thank you for not bringing up my, my intramural game because I had a playoff game this weekend. I missed a free throw that cost us the game. We lost on a buzzer beater, but we're not going to talk about it. Also, hey, James that's, Harden that's probably MVP better than getting blocked from behind by a 40 year old, right? In the playoffs. What? Never Shut mind. up, bro. If James Harden doesn't win MVP, I'm not doing this podcast for a month. Ooh, that's fun. <laughs> James Harden. Okay, you know what? Hold on, hold on. Before we go, let me get on my soapbox really, really, really quickly. The MVP. Especially, this goes really with all the the awards. MVP needs a defined set of rules of what requires uh, someone to be an MVP. What makes an MVP? If we gave it to Russell Westbrook last year for averaging a triple double and finishing safely in the West, it would only make sense for consistency's sake to give it back to Russell Westbrook because again he averaged a triple double. And they won one more game. They had a better record. They finished higher in the West as well. Um, all things considered, the four seed is exactly where OKC was projected to end up. And it's where they ended up. So they didn't really underachieve. They just didn't overachieve. If you're going to give it to him, primarily because he got he averaged a triple-double, it, it makes sense for him to, for consistency's sake, to win it again this year or at least finish a very close second. I personally wouldn't wouldn't give it to him this year, but I wouldn't have gave it to him last year. Um, if if that's what they're going to do, then they need to be they need to be consistent on that basis. If they're going to give it to if they're going to say MVP is the best player in the league, then LeBron needs to be winning it every single year. If they're going to say, but you know, just make that known. If they're going to say, all right, the MVP is going to be the best story, um, the best storyline, the best narrative for the regular season. Then okay, Russell Westbrook last year, James Harden this year, just make that known and have some sort of consistent basis is all I'm asking for uh, from the MVP voters because it just feels like the MVP being the most important award. It just feels like they consistently get it wrong or they consistently have questionable decisions just in terms of not even necessarily who wins it, but who goes second, third, fourth, that sort of thing. That it has to be, you know, and I get it's kind of a little bit of everything, but just make it known, make it uh make it clear as to what really defines an MVP. Yeah, and the narrative changes every single year, and everyone's trying to make new cases for their favorite player to win the MVP. I, you have Harden win MVP, right? I, I would give it to Harden based on on what the on what the standard usually is. Best player on the best team. Yeah, usually that's what that is, which would be Harden, for sure. Um, so that's, that's who I'd go. Hey, if you really want to give it to the most valuable player, let's give Kawhi Leonard that award right now. Cause we've seen how valuable that is. Um, but, uh, anyways, that's, that's my little, my little rant for the episode. That's going to wrap us up for this episode though. I uh, hope you enjoyed the playoff preview talk. Uh, I hope everybody enjoys the playoffs. I hope the playoffs give us something to enjoy. 
Uh, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, follow on SoundCloud, Twitter. Make sure you go follow Justin on Twitter. Make sure you go follow Thomas on Twitter. Give them some love. They're both great. Um, yeah, that'll do it for our episode. And we'll see you guys next week when we're halfway through the first round.